0: Welcome to Design Much with Andy and
1: Patrick. Speaking of weight loss, um, uh, would you guys pay ten dollars a month for unlimited tacos? From where? Taco Bell. Where else? Where else would you get them from?
2: Um. Yeah. If I. I that's a wait. What? How, say that again. Uh, if I, I said, day, said to, to you,
1: yeah, if I said to you, you could pay ten dollars a month. The subscription service and you could get your choice of seven tacos once a day. Yeah. You could have one taco a day with with seven choices for the month. Would you do it?
2: For sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: <clears throat> okay, I'll send you the link. <laughs> really? It's real? It's real yeah, 100% it's real. real. <laughs> they just Taco that Bell sounds... just launched their their taco what's it called taco lovers subscription service
0: yeah i can't remember what it's called
1: yeah taco lovers pass
0: if you have a taco
2: bell on your commute i feel like you're losing money if you don't do this (laughs) that's true
0: you know yep here's the thing though because like i when i first heard the idea that taco bell was going to have a subscription service my ears of course perked up a lot I, i'm actually a little bit disappointed because it's not unlimited right patrick it's actually you can have one taco a day who who in this in this universe just see just eats one taco when you go to taco do you just eat one taco never so i, I mean, mean but
1: if you got two or three one of those is free every day you don't have to worry about it that's
0: true but i i would like to have i i feel like it's just not enough just the one for free it's not free you're paying you're paying for it you're what if that's month instead of like, you know, a drink
2: run, you're going to like Maverick to get a drink, switch it up. It's a taco run every day. Yeah. And you're just grabbing one taco. just to like, you Ten know, tacos. beat the doldrums of the afternoon.
1: And it's not just a regular taco. You can pick from seven different tacos.
2: I didn't even know so, they had
1: seven different tacos. Yeah. I, really didn't, incredible. <laughs> I didn't know either, but apparently there's seven different tacos. I, I assume it's like one's meat and cheese. The other one comes, uh, adds adds lettuce, tomato. But they also have taco. the Doritos Loco Taco, the soft tacos, chicken tacos.
2: Which if memory serves, Andy, you enjoy yourself with Doritos Loco's taco.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm.
1: But this for ten dollars a good. month, ten dollars a month's nothing, man. I mean that's at least in our about. world. At least in our, in our, in our, our um, upper level world we live in, our first world we live in, like $10 a month, nothing.
0: Yeah. That's true. And so if you're, if you're going to Taco Bell that much, of course, this is saving some money, right? Because you could get 30, in some cases, 31 tacos yeah. for that
1: $10. Yeah.
0: That's wild
1: i want to sign up and then do the do the 30-day challenge right like sign up and be like i'm gonna i'm gonna have a taco every day for 30 days and then see how i feel about see how my life is right if it's changed <laughs> how has yeah. it changed what level of diarrhea am i at i might have five that's what ten. i'm thinking yeah
2: like, you should document it on TikTok <laughs> and get real famous
1: do it do a, yeah, we'll do that because that's like Morgan Spurlock, right? When he did the McDonald's every day.
0: Yeah, the super, super size party. me. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, he did every meal. I'm not talking about doing every meal, just the one taco every day.
2: No, so you wouldn't have health issues after this. That's the benefit. It's still a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was like in critical condition after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he's permanently damaged, right?
2: Yeah, where you might permanently damage your toilet, but you yourself might survive with no long-term effects
1: yeah physically i'd probably be okay right
2: yeah one taco sure
0: if it was one chalupa a day
1: oh no no
0: no if you just do the one taco i think you're cool but it's gonna be hard patrick you're gonna go there and they're gonna have some other great thing that you see it's gonna catch your eye that's gonna you know that you're gonna smell and you just have to have it. So you're going to get a taco and then you're going to get this other thing. I think it's going to add up. And I think this is exactly what the bell wants. Um, you know, they, they don't just want you to get the one taco. They want you to get some more. So it's it's a yeah. risky, risky business. Uh, how much self-control, Patrick, do you have? Are you the master? None. Of your I don't domain? have any.
1: Nope.
0: Do you think it's a coincidence <laughs> that
2: Tom Brady and Taco Bell have the same initials? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> i goat. don't know i don't yeah i don't think there's any co- i think that's not that's definitely not a coincidence
2: i don't think so either <clears throat> in fact taco bell was founded the same year tom brady was born is this true I said true. in fact before I said, what I, said, I said in fact. Don't do that if
1: I say in fact, accept it. Okay. I was just thinking Tom Brady's about my age, and I remember to go to Taco Bell, so I'm just like, wait a second. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Don't, don't question Michael, he knows what's up.
1: Just also, send me, just send me the Instagram story to that that truth, yeah, and I'll yeah, believe it.
2: Uberfax, facts, I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> Uber facts with an X.
2: Yeah, Uber facts.
1: <laughs> okay, Andy, it's nice to be back. We took a, we took a long hiatus off the pod for yes. for holidays. We're regrouping. Um, we've got a special guest, Michael Nelson, on the program.
2: My arms swinging in the air For yeah. those that are not watching
1: Michael's arm know. is pumping in a very uh, arsenal hall type of way
0: yeah 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 uh, i'm probably. i'm I'm very stoked uh, we're, we're doing our podcast again. finally, you know it's been quite some time since I've been able to uh, get on the horn with Patrick and have a conversation <laughs> and even longer since I've had um, the wonderful presence of Michael nielsen um on the pod. So it's been very excited today to have a a good conversation about
1: uh (laughs) something about how we can
0: wreck our toilets. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond wreck our toilets. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Michael Nelson's wrecked a lot of toilets up and down the valley here.
2: I have. And I'm not ashamed to admit it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But what is our what is our um actual topic today, Andy?
0: You know what? Michael have... asked
1: me what the topic was earlier, and I said, "Yeah, I wanted to know." I do don't I know. Prepare? We don't know.
2: It's been so long, and I miss your guys' voices so much. I even forgot how this works. Do you do you still spin oh, the God. thing, and it goes? It makes a spinning noise. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> attempt a noise. But... We we. It's more. I'll, I'll be honest. i I'll, I'll. Let's go look behind the curtain. It's more like a spreadsheet, and Patrick makes the spinning noise with his mouth, and then. <laughs> And then uh something is chosen um at random.
1: <laughs> yeah. We can go back to that. We haven't actually done the noise in a while, have we? That's right. <clears throat> but I can I can do the noise now, Andy, if you're ready.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Drum roll, please.
1: <laughs> it was
2: like three different types of spinners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a a very it's a a very advanced spinner it's
1: advanced it it, it's analog and digital and
2: it started like the one from the board game life you remember that game where you spin the thing like and then it went into the price is right (laughs) showcase. (laughs) one dollar one dollar one dollar yeah
1: and actually if you could see it on my desk it actually morphs into that exact thing
0: it's it's pretty wild yeah we don't mess around at the design much podcast it uses
1: yeah it uses decepticon technology actually
0: hmm.
2: technology
1: is a wonder
0: <laughs> but you know what there there are other wonders in this world and we actually have a user that submitted a wonder and or a topic to us that we're going to discuss today <laughs> That's a trend. that was a good one right guys well played uh, well played <laughs> So uh, today's topic uh, is actually very apt. It's a very nice topic. Um, so sent in by friend of the show Chris Jenkins um, who has sent, sent in many a topics.
1: He's uh, one of our foster children, isn't he, Chris?
0: I don't know if I don't know if he's a foster children, a child, but
1: um, he he's has one of our had, adopted.
0: He's had many wonderful wonderful topics for us. Uh, so this one is very interesting do designers make good product managers
2: oh, oh that's a good question i like that
1: yeah
0: is
2: chris a real person or yeah. did you guys make this? yeah chris, okay. is, real chris is a real person and in hey, fact
1: chris chris, chris sends in some of the most thoughtful yeah. topics we've had on the podcast. yeah the this is
2: interesting man this is interesting because you see that trend a little bit i mean actually you see more like at designers becoming like product leaders before they ever become product managers. They feel like they go, hmm. you know, like designers, UX magicians, you know, move up the ladders and then they become like a VP of product or like a, you know,
0: CPO or something. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think a really great way to approach the answer to this question. I'm so glad we have you on, Michael, being our resident product manager. <laughs> Uh my my question for you to help us better understand the answer to this question is what do product managers do? Whoa. Do you I'm even right know what product managers there, man. do?
1: Man, yeah. You got in there. Andy, this is only a supposed to be like an hour long podcast. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And I think a lot of people would disagree with me because a lot of individuals have tried to um, processitize what product managers do and are over the years and i think that makes sense because we usually try to give really clear definition to roles Um, but there will always be ambiguity uh, and the ability to deal with ambiguity for really good product managers and the reason that i say that is product depends on the company on the organization On your goals, a lot of those different things. So I've worked in a lot of early stage companies where product market fit was the most important thing. (laughs) The lights just turned off. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm done. That was a sign from God to shut up.
1: (laughs) Don't spill the secrets of product market fit. It's a lie. It's a lie. Well,
2: and. Yeah, so in early stage companies, the first few product managers are looking for product market fit. Product market fit is often misunderstood um, because it is also a changing definition. So at different states of a company, you're fitting your product to different needs. Um, but if you're always customer centric, then you're starting at a really good spot. So I would say at any organization, w- the main thing that is constant is product managers need to be very customer centric. They may not understand. Um, the ins and outs uh, that a UX designer may understand where you're getting into the nuances of interaction design and how a customer may interact with a product, but the best will understand the needs, the goals, the hopes, the wishes, the wants of a customer. Those would be the best product managers. Um, So again, like early stage company, you know, you're really focusing on product market fit. You're probably going to be doing a lot of things database, but you may be making some very, you know, gut decisions to make sure that you're keeping up with the pace of the company, pace of demand, all these different things. As you move up to like enterprise level companies, it becomes a slower moving machine and product managers fill a more project management role where they're still being innovative and trying to create new and, and better things and stay at the cusp of whatever industry they're in. Um, but there's just a lot more moving parts and so uh, my experience at a large company was it became much more of a project role where I had um, teams in Israel in China uh, in Minneapolis and in Utah and I'm trying to help them all with requirements and objectives and sprints and all these different things so my role was far less of like being in the weeds of um, the, the market and like what was new and next and a lot more and just executing on the plan that we had laid out. So, you know, those things kind of change, but um, by and large the, the main role, if you're not a very customer centric and customer empathic product manager, you're probably not a good product manager. If you just rely on data and uh, you just focus on execution, then you're missing out on, on being really excellent which, you know, the most excellent PMs are the ones who build stuff that matters to customers. So, um, there's a lot of words without saying much, but you know, uh, I think you've got to strike a balance of, of being really creative. Um, you gotta have a, a good set of skills as it pertains to data. Um, gotta be a bit of a risk taker. You know, there's a lot that goes
0: into it, but, um, yeah. I have to think some more upon that. That that's awesome. That's a great answer. I, I love I love that fact that to be a good, and I think you said in fact, right? Right, Michael. In fact.
2: Yeah, I say in fact it's a true. lot to sound smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but when, so like it we learned earlier, not it's... worked out. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> People call me out all the time.
1: <laughs> in <Yeah>. fact. <laughs> In fact, that is not true.
0: We all know that. <laughs> but I love, I love how you're saying like the customer centricity is so important to being a good product manager, um, because uh, I I love hearing that from a designer perspective. Because sometimes you you work with product managers and you you may or may not feel that that they may bring a lot of the business side of the decisions. Uh, to, to to the table essentially. And you, the designer are supposed to bring the user side to the table. But I think in fact, like, in fact, you got me, mm-hmm. Michael, um, mm-hmm. that if if both of those individuals that are working together, the, the designer and the product manager are aligned on those those basic customer um, needs and goals, right? Yeah. Um, then the product manager still can bring the business side of things and the very high level business strategy and vision. While the designer can work on the lower level, like um, interactions and understanding their behaviors and bring those things to the table to make the right decisions. So I'm saying I agree. I think that's great. And
2: and I would clarify too, I think it's also misunderstood. Product market fit is just like customers are happy. Product market fit equals more sales in your targeted area. Mm -hmm. So we've had experience with um, products that don't have product market fit you may have a love group you may have people that are like oh i really really love this but if they're not paying customers or in some way you can derive value from them then you know your product market fit i mean any company in the world can have product market fit if they make everything free um but what you're actually looking for is product market fit equals sales in your targeted area of focus so whether that's you know uh in in some um Consumer products maybe free is the first path, um, but if you're not able to monetize on that, then yeah, the, your product market fit. If I started a consumer goods company today and gave everything away for free and was like, it's crazy, I've got a million customers, <laughs> uh, that's not a, a real business. So yeah, that is a good call out on that. that the product market or a, a product person should be keeping in their mind the business outcomes and objectives, but marrying those ideas together. That product market fit is customer centric. And, uh, you know, as well as business focus, that's, that's how you're going to be successful.
0: Awesome. Yeah,
1: I think the real question here, too, is because <clears throat> as you've described it, and as I've worked with PMs, too, in my in in my career, the the empathy that a PM needs to have, the the user centeredness of the PM needs to have all that kind of stuff that you're talking about so that they can be a good PM. The part that's missing from the design side is really just the business end of it. Right. So it's like. Could, is that the jump that a a designer would need to take to go into the PM world is understanding the business side of it more? Um, Is that really the hurdle? Because I feel like beyond that, everything else kind of overlaps.
2: Yeah. I wonder if it's too, like, you know, we've talked about this, product people and designers have... Kind of ego issues you know a lot of product people that um just make guesses from their gut and then if you challenge them it's like you're challenging their livelihood and they're <laughs> calling their babies ugly and stuff like that and then <laughs> the same thing with designers so if you you know question in like a design review or something it's like look i'm the designer why don't you shut your mouth and <laughs> let me design and i think that's probably any leader probably needs to remove that ego um in order to even become like a, a very great PM. We talk about good PMs, but to become a great PM, I think designers have to get rid of a little bit of that because um, as a product manager, there's an acceptance that you're going to be wrong uh, and have to say no and, you know, get kicked in the teeth a few times. Um, and I wonder if design designers are, are you shielded from that at all? You know, um, are you shielded from like, the blowback of a bad decision or um, a bad release.
1: I, I think, I think so on some level and he could probably speak to this more too, but like, I feel like, yeah, because, because you're, because as a designer, you're sort of creating, you're, you're sort of creating a deliverable, right? Then you're handing that deliverable off to the team to then be built. Your, your next item of business is moving on to the next deliverable. It's moving on to the next prototype. And so I think, you do get shielded quite a bit from, from that reality, from that world. I don't know, Andy, you have any thoughts on that? Cause I, I feel hey. like I don't design much anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it's true. I think, I think designers can, they can get like, if, if something goes wrong, of course, design can get blamed, right? There's, there's things that mm. design owns. Uh, but I think the majority of the time, and it's very unfortunate, but I think I see PM getting blamed a lot. Um, engineering. If, if things aren't going well for engineering, a lot of time, um, not all the time, but I've seen um, them pointing the finger at PM um, yeah. versus design, and I, I think there's a lot of pressure on, on that that individual, a pressure that I I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily think is deserved um, because there's just there's just so much decision making and so much that has to happen with that role that it's hard to know everything and get everything perfect and get everything right. Um, but I, I do think for the most part, I would say design does have a shield. <laughs> and it's um, oftentimes the, the product manager <laughs> that's shielding the design. Yeah. They're the ones that are, that are getting blamed and have all of the pressure on them. Um, I don't know why exactly. Maybe because they're the the ones managing, not, not per se like managing the designer, but managing the entire product. Like they're the ones that are making the very high level decisions and so they're the ones most likely to blame or to praise um, most. Um, yeah. But I don't know if they get all the praise. I don't know. Maybe it's engineering that gets more of the praise. I think, I think it is. I don't get any praise, but I make a ton <laughs> of mistakes. So this is I'm very familiar with the scenario.
1: It's more, yeah, it's more related to the failures. You know, the successes. Talk, failures.
2: <laughs> <laughs> talk all day, boys.
1: <laughs> but it, but it's true. We've had this analogy before where like a like a like a development team or a product development team is like a is like a band, you know, like a rock band or something like that. <clears throat> and the PM is the lead singer in my mind of all of that, because they're they're mm-hmm. the ones that interact cross functionally generally with other departments like sales and you know, CEOs and leaders and, and but they're also the people that are also sort of putting the vision together, right? They may not write all the lyrics. They may not write everything, but they're putting, they're setting the tone right They're and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're up front. So yeah, like if, if, <laughs> if Axl Rose has a bad day, right, it reflects on Guns N' Roses, not just himself <laughs> versus like, you know, Duff McKagan can have a horrible day and nobody gives a shit because nobody even knows who he is. So I feel like it's true. And our audience probably didn't know who Axl Rose or Duff McKagan is. That's great. (laughs) It's totally fine. But um. here's
2: what I'm thinking. You're bringing up a good analogy (laughs) because, you know, Paul and John, they wrote a lot of the songs. And to me, that's like the product manager and the designer together. So in some cases, I think a designer is almost interchangeable. Well, Andy, we've worked together and I like it when uh, designers can be in a position where they can make decisions and be Mm -hmm. more knowledgeable about certain things so if an engineer has any issue and is like oh the requirements from the pm suck um that a designer can be like well let me take a look and i can answer uh because you know oftentimes a pm's mind is occupied with what's coming next what not necessarily what's happening right at the moment yeah um but this is the analogy you know so we've got (laughs) paul and john that are writing songs together What about George? George wrote some bangers when George (laughs) went out on his own. But in the band, he's just smiling and everyone's ignoring him. I mean, it wasn't really fair. So I think, you know, the best, best, best teams and the best PMs are going to recognize that that it is a cohesive team and that we shouldn't be placing blame here, there, wherever. You know, I, I will take things on my shoulders as a PM because ultimately the decision is mine um but a team that doesn't understand that like blame and success is shared is Mm -hmm. a a pretty you know dysfunctional team um but that has nothing to do with the question that was asked and just you know i loved that analogy wanted to go with it for a little bit so thanks for (laughs) indulging me
0: (laughs) no i think i think that's awesome and i think it applies to that too like because we're trying to understand like if a designer can make a good pm so do we think that designers uh, let's say let's say, a good designer. <laughs> you probably have to be a good designer and probably have to have some of those attributes that you're talking about, Michael. They have to be able to um, be a really good team player to be able to make sure that um, they're not the only, they're not the league senior as we're, we're talking about. Like they're not the only one getting all the credit, but the, the designer should get credit for what they've done. The engineering team should get credit for all the hard work they've done. And they yeah. have to make sure that's shared is what you're saying. So if, if a designer can pull that off, I think so right they, they can um definitely become a pm and i think if we uh if we consider designers that are good designers um patrick and i talk up all about this like designers that are good designers are ones that are humble mm-hmm. uh, and you're, you're just saying michael a, a good pm is one that is essentially humble that doesn't have that ego definitely. so i think if you are a designer that doesn't have the ego that is customer centric i think you are somebody that is, I guess, uh, a potentially good candidate to become a PM. Um, I think so. I I definitely think that that's that's a a possibility. Well, having hired
2: um, designers and PMs, I can definitely see where some of the designers have that, almost that, um, there is a bit of like an innate drive or ability to be more involved in the product process, um, you know, where it's more along the lines of like getting into the weeds of the why, the how does it impact the business, the long-term view, all these different things. And and I would say, yeah, a lot of designers could easily be product people. And at early, early, early stage companies, designers are probably the best product people uh, because they can crank out, Uh, You know, different things very quickly, iterations of ideas, uh, and make them real and palpable very, very quickly, which is important at an early stage company where you don't have a lot of data to go on. So, a lot of it is coming up with images and and kind of gut reaction to uh, designs. Uh, So, I bet that's where they would thrive the most. Uh, But then, yeah, you're kind of, as you grow an organization, you're flexing a lot of muscles around your ability to prioritize your ability to do research your ability to uh, to motivate a team uh, your own you know product development team so you, you start to have to develop some other muscles that maybe are unfamiliar where you're coming from here here's the priority work on this design this you know back and forth for a little bit and then on to the next uh, there's a little bit more in the way of staying on a, a long-term view and a, a business focused view as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And if I think back, so a few episodes back, episode 126, we had um, Derek Bowman on, and he was, uh, he's a designer that uh, actually did at one point become a product manager. And he, the whole topic was so interesting. I I love this episode where he talked about why designers should do more business stuff. (laughs) They should, as designers should business (laughs) essentially. Um, and there's just like, there's a lot in there that I learned that I I can't even remember all of it right now. I have to go back and listen again, but there's just a lot in that episode that I learned that I just don't know that that designers aren't good at, (laughs) you know, like, um, product managers are so great at communicating across. They have to, they have to be so great at communicating across the whole company, um, working with so many different, uh, departments, uh, to make sure that, that they're getting feedback from all of them, that what they're working on is, you know, being noticed by all of them. And there's just so much communication that has to happen that designers, hmm, I I guess I can speak for myself that I'm not good at as a designer and that I really appreciate working with PMs that are really good at that sort of thing. Um, But I think, I, I guess I'll say from a general sense, maybe designers aren't as good at being able to Speak the language of the the business sort of language with executives hmm. uh, that that product managers bring to the table. They're not as as great as being uh, the hubs to the spokes of the rest of the the company and being able to communicate their their message, their vision, and receive feedback from everybody. Uh, I think those are things that that product managers really do well that designers should get better at, but they're not always doing that because they're, they're very focused on the user. Like we, sure. we're we out there researching, talking to users, designing, um, whereas um, product managers are always really communicating so well with the rest of, of an organization of, of a company essentially. And I don't know if designers can make the time to do that or not, but um, I think definitely, um, listener, check out that episode, 126, to understand... Um, some of the differences and how you can kind of get into that that business mindset as a designer and, and where it actually can become helpful um, for the design sort of thing because there's a lot out there that I just don't know. yeah, yeah.
1: one thing one thing I know we we I think every like my team struggles with <clears throat> is business level decisions, you know when when things are made. Like like when a priority is changed because we need to support the sales team, like designers get super ticked off, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, we're working on these projects that we know are great for users, but like, I, like back to your point, Michael, like with the with you know product market fit and finding, are we, are we building the right product for our segment and all that kind of stuff? Um, sometimes the team has to sort of pause for a moment and be like, okay, we need to rebuild this thing to enable sales to be better or to to, to do whatever, right? And I'm a firm believer, like. And that salespeople are the people that are talking they talk to your customers every day, right? Like potential customers every day. They're the people like designers always think we know everything about the user, but we're there's out of out of all the departments in the in the company, generally designers don't talk to nearly as many users as the sales department does and your customer support does. Mm-hmm. So so we have to sort of check ourselves that way. And so I think but, but so we get in these we get in these realms where we're caught up in this thing, right? Where it's like, hey, we're working on these projects, um, and a lot of times it's just not, it's more of an awareness thing, right? Designers will get irritated that we're making this decision, but then once the decision is explained and once you see the ramification of the decision later, um, and you see the success, the success that happens after sort of pivoting for a second and doing something for sales if needed, um, I think it it clicks, right? And it's like, oh. That is a part of the user experience, you know. That's it's not just somebody using the application to the best of the ability, but somebody purchasing that application, going through a demo process, going through all of these things that that is really valuable, and we have to design that experience, right? And that's how you do it. We don't necessarily design it directly, but but we work through the PM. Like the PM, in my mind, is a lot is as much of a sort of like a high level designer as the as the designer is sitting on the team from a cross-functional standpoint and so crucial to the UX experience.
2: Um. Yeah, that's an important distinction to make, I think is a good PM will understand that talking to existing users, like a lot of designers do, uh, is going to help you to understand how not to make your existing customer base mad. But -hmm. talking to the sales guys is gonna give you a great idea of what you don't currently offer. So it's you know I, I would like to strike a balance in um, joining a lot of sales calls, onboarding calls, on you know the ongoing customer success calls, to hear the things that we wouldn't know talking to our existing customers because it's one thing to not make them mad or to please them in a new way, but it's another thing to attract new customers that are saying, hey, you guys don't have X, Y, and Z, and maybe there's like this cohort out there in our our new target segment of the market. That wants that exact feature. And yeah, as you're saying, had you not talked to sales, had you not done some research outside of your existing customer base, um, you probably wouldn't know that. So, to Andy's point of getting out and talking to uh, additional people, I think that's a a huge, huge, huge part of it. And I wonder if designers just see themselves as one spoke in the hub and spoke model, you know, and should put themselves in the hub more often and say, uh, you know, information flowing to me, is it just one sided or can I? create these multiple channels of information um, I think that would also coach you up a little bit on being an effective PM if that's your goal it's not that great of a job <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a decade into it so I <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out. There's no escaping. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyone hiring out there? <laughs> All jokes. All jokes. <laughs> I love my job.
1: <laughs> I think though. I think though. Like in every every growth conversation I've had with my boss or my manager, becoming a PM comes up, right? Like you go in and say, "Hey, look, I'm kind of like I've been designing for a while. I want a new challenge. Like, what's my new challenge?" And, and as a designer, like a lot of times your boss is like, well, you go into product management, you know, like that's a, that's a different challenge. Um, but as a designer, I think you do get to a point where it's kind of like, what else am I going to do? And there's a need, like you guys brought up earlier, there's a need to make a greater impact, I think, than what you currently make as a designer, you know, like you, you don't paint with the medium, like you don't, you're not painting with the paintbrush, right? You're designing a mock-up that an engineer is going to build. You're designing a mock-up that, that was prioritized by a PM. You're designing a mock-up that is based on some other management designer's, you know, you know, overall vision of like a design system or anything else, right? So like you're always working with these other tools and at some point in your career you come to you, you, you may you may, I'm not saying everybody is, but you may become unsatisfied with that particular thing that you're doing. And I think that's the spoke thing you're talking about. I think sometimes designers get Stuck and sort of realize that that's what they are, um, and they want to be more of a hub in some form or fashion. At least personally, for me, there was there was there was two there was two options. Right when I got to that point, was I could go into product management, which seems seemed kind of natural to me, um, and then there was go into management, right, like leadership. And then, I guess, my other two options the third option I'd add to that too is I, I did try front end development at one point, which I've seen other designers do as well, right? Go kind of go mm-hmm. into more of mm-hmm. the development mm-hmm. side as a challenge. And I feel like becoming a PM is probably the most natural thing a designer could do if they didn't want to just continue designing, but they wanted to make a greater impact on the product because that's where you're going to make a greater impact on the product, right? Is being able to actually paint with that brush and make those decisions. And and instead of making just like user centered type, like interaction decisions, now you're making decisions that shape the usefulness of the application you're building, right? Not just the usability. And so I think it just seems really, it just seems like a natural flow, which Mm -hmm. I have no interest in because I look at, I look at PM as I, I look at the side of PM where, they're like neo fighting off all the mr smiths you know and i'm like that's the part i don't i don't think i would enjoy so i kind of stay away from that but i think for a lot of people i've known a lot of designers i know a handful or more of designers that have gone into the pm world and they've all all of them have been successful so i think there's i think there's a good like training ground there as a designer to kind of move off to that off to the off to that other side of things and and become no. You know, become the decision maker more or less.
2: I could agree with that. I think it's probably a bit of introspection is needed before you do so. Because there's, like you're saying, is it what are the reasons that I want to go into product? That's probably where you start yeah. out. And then mm-hmm. consider the skills that you do have and the skills that you're willing to work on. Uh, Because if you're just not really a strategic thinker, if you're just, you know, your mind isn't on the big picture, if you have no interest in the business side of a business, then probably don't do it. You know, probably not the best choice. There's also the parts that really are not fun about it, like being told, uh, you know, kind of fighting off competing interests because your your interests are going to be coming from everywhere, executive Mm -hmm. level, customer, sales, support, CS, engineering. Uh, If you don't like saying no, yeah, exactly, then, um, you know, this probably isn't a good role as well. And then um, an ability to be wrong and accept that you're wrong. Like these are all kind of the intangibles that um, if you can say to yourself, honestly, none of that sounds interesting, then maybe don't make that transition. But I've seen a lot of designers transition to products successfully and be awesome product managers. Uh, So it's definitely possible. More, I would say, and hopefully this doesn't offend anyone, but more than I've seen engineers try to be product managers. I've seen that attempt as well. And it's just Hmm. a lot of it is a different mindset um, where designers are already interacting with clients a ton and and engineers aren't as much. Um, And if they are, maybe they just haven't worked on those skills of interviewing and you know information gathering so
1: yeah it seems like there's an experience gap there that could be pretty steep yeah i mean I if we're it. taking if we're taking the band analogy i mean the ultimate the ultimate designer to become pm would be dave Grohl, right oh man my hero dave Grohl, but, coming from the Disney, I mean, coming from the drums that's
2: like those are the guys that are are really unicorns i was asked so, someone recently asked me like hey do you know a product person that also has design chops because they're early stage and that's what they were looking for and i was like good luck you know I, that's <laughs> that's like a, a pm that's like also like a data scientist you know you a lot of times you kind of get one or the other and not necessarily both in the same package um a pm who's like just a strategic thinker can, you know, kind of wear a bunch of different hats uh, that can also design really, really well, that's pretty rare. Or, you know, also a, a, a data scientist who is like, incredible at data analysis, who also is a very long term strategic thinker. Um, those are just it's rare to find but if you can find it, yeah, you're in, you've got a Dave girl on your hands, and you're about to Start one of the greatest bands of the last three decades.
1: <laughs> yeah. Four
2: now, maybe. Who even knows? Dave roll is kind of eternal. When did Foo Fighters start? I mean, he was
1: he 90s. was drumming and
2: basically a nobody, and then
1: yeah, he was in this no-name band called Nirvana. Nirvana, <laughs> and then uh, and then after that, sort of fizzled out. Um, yeah, he started Foo Fighters like the next year. In a way, in a way,
2: it fizzled out. <laughs> How do you replace Kurt Cobain as a frontman? <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when I leave products. I'm like a Kurt Cobain. I leave products and yeah, they just Just die. like a gaping, the real yeah, <laughs> yeah, or they go wildly successful. Whatever.
1: <laughs> well, did we did we did we answer Chris's question? I guess that's the that's the big question.
0: I think so. I think that was very comprehensive. I learned what a product manager does, (laughs) what it takes (laughs) to be a product manager. And I've even heard some great examples of designers who have made that transition. So uh, the answer, Chris, is yes.
1: Yes. If you want it. If If, you want it. If you want to (laughs) do the PM work, the, the horrible, terrible, no good PM work that you have to do sometimes, the grunt work,
2: yeah, tread tread lightly. You know, look yeah. uh, <laughs> look at it knowing that, from my perspective, on the other end, it's not all great. <laughs> I should give a caveat. It's a lot of fun though, as well. You know, <laughs> like sure. it is fun if you like responsibility. If you're okay with waking up in the middle of the night, feeling urgency. <laughs> um, <laughs> which i like then it's a really good job and You're then, really selling this <laughs> and then when you start to manage other pms you can warn them about this you can you know coach them on how to deal with their emotions
0: <laughs> so All do designers do, do designers make good product managers yes should they be product managers According to Michael, that's... that's the jury's still out. Yeah. <laughs> do what you want.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's a good job. And somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah.
2: I think more people do it than need to do it, though. Let's let's save that for another mm, time that <laughs> <might> be invited. Because <laughs> think there's too many PMs
1: in the okay. uh, proverbial... Universe, PM <laughs> universe. Well, everybody, everybody wants. To, I think that's part of the problem. Is everybody at company wants to be the PM? Like literally everyone, from the developer to the designer to you know like yeah. your customer support reps to your salespeople, everybody's trying to be on some level of PM. And so it's 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 mm-hmm. difficult for an actual PM <laughs> to be a PM when everybody around them also wants their job. You know yeah oh, yeah you're job. always
2: told how you're not doing it right and that comes from everybody yeah and they never have as much information as you do but you're still not doing it right mm-hmm. so if they were in control you know everything would be better somehow i don't know how yeah engineers would work faster designs would look better somehow it would all change
1: i think that's why i like the design world a little bit better just because it's it, from from that standpoint, like there's a unique, there's a little bit of a unique craft you can develop
0: mm-hmm. that
1: nobody else can really do. Like, like you could, like people I would constantly, I hear other people from other departments, you know, Hey, I read this blog post last night about, you know, a yeah. better way to prioritize. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, I feel so bad for the PM having to deal with this crap all the time, but you don't really see that too much on the design side. And you definitely don't see that on the development side just because of the technical, the technical mm-hmm. hurdle. But you know, Occasionally you get somebody that's like, hey, I read an article about, you know, designing or whatever, and you can usually blow it off pretty easily because it's you know because you're the expert, but it's 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 you, kind of nice to have aircraft.
2: Brutalism is in <laughs> in architecture and software.
1: In architecture and software, oh no.
2: Yeah, guys, don't dismiss that.
1: In fact. Okay.
2: You should probably you, redesign your apps today. <laughs>
1: Did you get off one of your uh, one of your uh, medium posts the the year wrap ups the twenty twenty one wrap ups? Those how are my I favorite. My
2: life, yeah,
1: yeah. I
2: I don't make my own goals until I read those, <laughs> and then I shift accordingly.
1: <laughs> You're like, wait, brutalism is in, drop shadows are out. All right, <laughs> time to move on to twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. all I know, you guys know that show, Dirty Jobs? Mm-hmm. Mike Rowe. Yeah. Has he done one on PMing yet? <laughs> he's he's brave, like... he's brave,
1: but he's <laughs> not that brave.
2: This is the cleanest office in Silicon Valley. Currently there's like HEPA filters in the air because of Omicron. Cleanest environment possible besides a hospital. But then he gets into it, he's like, ooh,
1: ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Goes home and throws it this for three disgusting. hours. <laughs> I clean sewers in San Francisco, but this, this is the worst this job ever.
2: Repulsive. <laughs> Whatever you're paid, you're not being paid enough. <laughs> it's six figures, micro. Still, still <laughs> should be seven minimum. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's good. I gotta go sign up for the the Taco Bell Lover's Pass.
2: Yep, guys. What is the Lover's Pass? Is this the same thing, or are we talking about like some Valentine's Day? (laughs) day?
1: (laughs) The Lover's (laughs) Pass (laughs) is if we all three of us sign up for the same pass at the same time
2: (laughs) (laughs) the Menager T Bell. (laughs) <laughs> all right, well, uh, let me come back if you are all right with it. I'd love to
1: be on the the next episode where you need a failed PM. I'm happy to jump on. OK, we have the we have the other random question about product management that we get once a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> once a year is fine. <laughs> More would be better. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael, for your insight, for your wisdom. It was yeah, great. Guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank
2: you. It's always fun.
1: Thanks for listening to the pod real quick before you take off. We need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.